from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You did it again. You just read to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. As always, this episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor and SAP Global Platinum Partner, Sador. That's S-E-I-D-O-R. If your business is ready to move off of QuickBooks, give us a ring. We'll help you out. We'll help you automate your business processes. And Sador has an SAP solution for mom and pop to large enterprises. So give us a call. Hit me up. Go to Sador.com. Let them know you saw us at Shark Bite Biz, and we'll give you the hookup. Now, let's get back to today's episode. We're going to be chatting about creative design. More specifically, escape rooms. I love escape rooms. They are so fun. And (laughs) to be honest, I've never been able to complete one of them, but I still love them. So who do we have today? None other than Tommy Haunton. Tommy Haunton, designer of the award-winning Escape Room Stash House, is a master craftsman of experience, design weaving, storytelling, and game design to create memorable, playable experiences. So hey, without further ado, let's bring Tommy right on in here. Tommy, welcome to Shark Bite Biz, you my friend. You just became shark bait. That is ominous and exciting at the same time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, no problem, my friend. See, you did thank me for having you on. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Tavi, we got a tradition on the show. Uh, we now have well over 200 episodes aired, which I don't know. For me, that's a milestone. I, I, I can't believe that. Uh, starting with season season seven in July, we'll have uh, three years doing this show already. 200 plus episodes and some amazing, amazing guests like yourself. So I've got to keep the tradition alive. You know, I have to ask you, what's your background? What's your experience? What do you do for a living? How'd you get there? Basically, in a nutshell, tell me what makes Tommy, Tommy. That is a wonderful question. Uh, I am Tommy Hunton. I'm an experienced designer. And by that, I mean, I make interactive, immersive experiences. So everything from video games to escape rooms to theme parks uh, live experiences, theater, games, all of that, which is really exciting. It's an offshoot of theater and film and TV. Originally came to LA to do film and TV and found my way into this amazing field. So was it by happenstance or like, how did you find your way into this field? Well, in college, I kept avoiding writing because I, you know, I wanted to do all sorts of stuff. So I had psych and classics as my majors, but I kept going back. You didn't have chat GPT back then? No, I mean, I, it would have been a day. That would have been a dangerous thing to have back then. That would have been fun to jailbreak. And, but yeah, no, that was that we had, we had a WordPress processors and that was basically it you know and people could plagiarize but you would just have to copy and paste and do the manual way uh but yeah psych and classics were my focuses and the the thing i kept facing was i didn't like the long-term career implications i love the subjects but i didn't want to go to do research or teaching so writing kept calling to me and with writing in film and tv la was kind of the only place to go so i had headed to la and i sort of stumbled around, you know, writing TV and film. I got a job at Disney and sort of had this sort of point where I got very stuck. I, I likened it to being on a treadmill 
uh, with the background changing, like you're in an old cartoon where the background just keeps looping. And I was not going anywhere. I was walking, but I wasn't actually making any progress. And so, yeah, immersive interactive entertainment sort of got my eye and I found this world that was like, this is adjacent to what I'm already doing, but I find it much more compelling. The political nature of like working at a big entertainment company and playing office politics just wasn't really in my, in you know, it, it wasn't a thing that I was good at or interested in me and I got really burnt out. And so this was kind of like the oasis. I, I think that's why people like the work from home so much because of the fact that it's eliminated office politics. That's why, like they say, Gen Z wants to be in the office because it's uh, hurting their uh, career growth. But I think millennials on up, Gen Xers, stuff like that, they're like, no, nah, no, nah, no more office politics, no more, it, you know, it's harder to stab me on the back in Zoom than it is, uh, you know, in the office. And, uh, it eliminates a lot of that BS. Very true. And yeah, I, I, I'm i not good at it. I, I don't like being very, I don't like being Machiavellian or, you know, a jerk to people. Uh, I also saw a lot of people that didn't deserve to lead or get promoted, get promoted because of that. And, you know, it's your, your, your morale and your sense of like, what am I even doing here? Just really takes a hit, you know, after you see that happen so often. And so, yeah, this, this, this landscape that I found was very much like, I was like, I was wandering in the desert and this was like the oasis that I found. That's pretty amazing because First off, let me step back. So you moved to LA. Where were you originally from? I am from Wichita, Kansas, and then I went to college in St. Louis. So it was kind of Midwestern, Midwestern based. Okay, so I was from uh, you know a small, small city in the middle of Pennsylvania, uh, like twenty thousand ish people, and I moved to Tijuana when I was eighteen. Uh, so you know, both moved west. Uh, you went a little bit more north than me, but. Um, it took me a while to find my place in this world as well, too. And I was wondering, you know, I knew it was tech. I knew it was biz dev. I knew sales, stuff like that. I knew that was the path. But it's such a broad path that it took me a long time to find my oasis, as you said, too. And it wasn't until about almost eight years ago that I stumbled into the world of ERP. I didn't even know what ERP was back then. Uh, think about it. Eight years ago, I had no idea what uh, ERP was to be in a top selling global sales rep, to be a, the general manager of the Northeast for a region for uh, North America's largest SAP partner to where I'm with now a global partner as the VP of uh, business development, all within an eight year stretch, because once I had all the ingredients, I had everything around me, but it took the right niche, right offshoot of tech for me to find that level of success like you found with your business. Yeah, I think that that's, that's something to be said about. I think it takes the mixture of confidence because it's an author. You can have the ingredients with you for a while. It's just a matter of are you using them properly and are you even aware they exist and of the recipe. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm curious for your move, like how, how nervous or scared were you moving? I was barely 18. Uh, into the industry or moving to Mexico? Moving to Mexico. Like any any move, uh, you know, at that, that point in your life is a pretty big thing. Yeah. So I was 18. I, you know, didn't speak Spanish at the time. Fluent now. Uh, I have a Mexican uh, green card. I am a uh, permanent uh, resident. But, uh, yep, can't see it probably with my lights, but I got my Mexican green card, everything. Um, you know, I was nervous as uh, 
Nervous as he could be, especially because, you know, Tijuana doesn't have the best reputation in the world. But I will tell you that it is a world like no other. It is very unique. It is crazy. And a lot of people don't realize that San Diego and Tijuana, um, they call it like the, the Baja Cali mega region or the, what is it, Cali Baja or Baja Cali? I forget which one's first. Mega region. And the reason is, is think of LA or New York or Chicago or one of our bigger cities with literally a fence in the middle of it. And the north side of the fence is San Diego. The southern side of that fence is Tijuana. It is one huge mega region, uh, you know, separated by a border. And because of that, gave me a little bit more confidence because, I mean, it was right after September 11th. So uh, border weights were four, five, six hours uh, to get across the border at the time. I do that every single day to get to work, you know, then work an eight hour shift. And then same thing. Well, a lot quicker going home, but it still took me a few hours. Um, I knew that like if something bad was down, I was able to get back home. That's one of the reasons why we picked Tijuana instead of going to a place like the UK or Spain. Plus it was harder to get working papers. You know, like we didn't know, we didn't have Google like we do today or chat GPT or tools like that to where, how can I get a working visa in London? You know, it's like, okay, well, guess what? I don't need that. All I need is just get my tourist visa for six months. And then from there, I'm crossing the border every single day to go into the United States to be able to uh, to work. So for me, it was like it, it took it out of the equation. It gave, that gave me a sense of security, I guess you could say. Now, on the tech side of it, I was nervous as all heck because of the fact that I built up a thriving practice of getting American companies into Mexico at that time, making six figures. Um, but I, I got a client and the client was telling me like, David, you're killing yourself. You're working 60, 70 hours a week, just on the projects that you have. And then you're still spending 20, 30 hours a week of going out, trying to find new projects and, you know, bid on them and sell them while completely like you, you're just, you're doing too much. Like, yeah, you're making money, but trust me. Come into my industry where my main gig is, because this was a guy that was setting up a side company, a side hustle. He's like, come to my main company. You'll kill it. And uh, I, I trusted him at that point. Went through the interview, did it. They hired me and uh, it actually turned my life completely around. It's one of those things that was happenstance, uh, but also kind of lucky too. Yeah, I can relate. So I, I'm very lucky in that most of the contacts and career from that first Disney job all the way to where I am now, I can point to other people taking a chance on me or wanting to work with me and it being other people and realizing that it's one part having the goods, the other part socially being around people and and getting people to trust you or want to work with you. And that was a huge eye opener for me, you know, because I came out here with a chip on my shoulder being like, I'm going to do good work and who cares about other people. And that was obviously a big, big mistake and assumption on my part. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely hear you with that. So with what you do now, I mean, you do interactive experiences and you, you gave some examples earlier that were very high level. Can you give us some deeper um, explanations, some deeper, you know, like um, 
examples of some of the works that you've done. Yeah, and I can give some context too about how I found them because, you know, at the time when I first came to, you know, I grew up loving scavenger hunts and and mysteries. My dad was a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. I loved video games. I just loved games. I had an aunt and uncle who loved doing scavenger hunts for me and my cousins. And it's the idea of you show up to your grandparents' house and you never know what is going to happen. You know, you might be digging through boxes or exploring the yard, you know, digging through Easter eggs. And to me, there's something really magical about creating that sense of discovery and exploration. And so I grew up kind of spoiled, not knowing that I would be really inspired by that. And in high school, I I got the chance to create some scavenger hunts and moments like that for friends of mine. And and I learned that was the way I really like to express my affection for people was by making them something. And so every holiday season or, you know, for Valentine's Day, I'd make a scavenger hunt for someone I had a crush on or for my friends. And it was sort of an elaborate narrative-based experience where they get a clue and they would have to go around to meaningful locations around town and do a task or find something. And it became these elaborate gestures that I did because they were my way of expressing, you know, hey, I, I care about you, you're a friend, or I like you. But also it was a chance to, I don't know, entertain people and create a little more magic in the world. So when I moved to L.A., you know, I always thought that was a fun aside. I never in a million years would have thought that kind of ethos would have become a career path. You know, at the time, there wasn't anything like that existing. You know, the the concept of an escape room or immersive entertainment did not really exist. Like immersive entertainment was maybe going to Disneyland, you know, and that's basically it, like a themed area that's really intricate with rides. But that was kind of it. And then, you know, as I was living in L.A., I got sort of stuck in the film and entertainment side. And I had friends in live theater and I would go to New York every year for to see theater. And there was a show called Sleep No More, which is a very elaborate production, but basically it's the story of Macbeth told in dance in these giant warehouse spaces where you can go and do anything. So essentially you're allowed to wander around the space and experience the story how you want. And that just was really eye-opening to me because I went in very um, sight unseen. And then seeing the space where you have these elaborate, rich production values, you have, you know, a store with candy where you could pick up a piece of candy and eat it or dig through a trash can and watch a character typing a letter. Dig through the trash can, then you find the candy and you eat it. That's how it's got to be done. Yeah, separate separate beats. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was the idea of exploration i'm like holy crap this is this is the thing that i've always wanted to exist this idea of exploration and space and you know i left new york feeling very inspired and i was like is there anything in la like this and there was i just didn't know the words for it and so i was very lucky and around that time the very first escape room type concepts were opening in los angeles and i went and did them and, you know, in film and TV, I'd gotten very stuck. You did them as far as you went through the escape rooms, but you didn't do them as far as you made them? Yeah, yeah, no, I just went as a customer because I was just at this point just looking for stuff that I was like, this is so cool. You know, the idea of me doing them hadn't even crossed my mind. Like, I was like, oh, it would be so cool to do it, but me doing it like, nah. But then I was so stuck. I went to the one down there in the Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, when I lived in L.A., and that was... Uh, I mean, this is a couple of years ago, so I don't know if it's been changed or if it's still there, but it was like a hotel or whatever. Um, I forget the name of it. Uh, and it, it was it was pretty good. That was my first one. That was still to this day, probably the best escape room I've ever went to. Uh, escape hotel. They're they're OK. There are a lot of things they 
Yeah, there are a lot of things they do that I don't think are great business practices, but they also are right in Hollywood Boulevard, so they get a lot of folks coming in. Um, but yeah, that. But yeah, being able to do early ones, I was just really like, I was blown away. I was like, this is something I want to be involved in. And, you know, I, it was a passion that I hadn't felt for a long time because, you know, film and TV, I got really burnt out on, you know, I was working at Disney, I was writing a lot, I had a, a business partner and a, or a writing partner that I was writing with, and and we were just so burnt out on both sides, so the day job at Disney and the writing on the side, like both sides were burning us out. And seeing the escape room stuff just blew my mind. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is the passion that I should be feeling about this stuff. And so I reached out to a few of the early people running stuff and just said, how can I be involved? How can I help? And one guy wrote back and said, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, I'd love to work with you. And that was just a really big confidence boost. Yeah, that was huge. And so when you go that, I mean, first off, that's amazing. That's exactly what you were saying earlier about someone taking a chance on you. Um, but my biggest question, first, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. I have never completed successfully an escape room. I have failed every single time. Now, to my defense, when I go, I'm usually with my wife and my wife's family and they're Peruvian and they usually do it with us when they're up here on vacation and they don't speak a lick of English. So that usually makes it a little bit harder. Um, so, you know, you got to put it in context that I've had, I, I'm the only English speaker and I'm trying to translate everything and it makes it harder for people to work on their own. Um, but that being said, when you go in and design these, what's that creative process like? Like, are you thinking of the, end goal and then working backwards or somewhere just a concept and then build that out from there like what's that creative process like that's a good question a lot of people i think have different processes and especially it's about what their work experience and what their goals are uh for me you know i design across a wider base so i work on museums and you know interactive spaces and theater and storytelling and and escape rooms are part of that like palette I guess. And and the idea is like, well, what is the goal of an escape room? An escape room really, it just, it, it, it kind of is a very vague term that basically means more than likely a brick and mortar space where you will go and spend probably an hour inside a themed space doing more than likely puzzles and tasks that give you a, a goal and narrative that you progress towards. And at the end of the experience, you complete that goal or don't complete it if time runs out and then you leave. Uh, the, the big reason that time is a factor is because you're running a business and you have to have scheduled times, you know, otherwise you could let people stay there for forever, you know, if you wanted to, but we know that we need people to buy tickets every hour, come on the hour. Yeah, exactly. But and also the, the big goal is like room should not lock you in. That's not safe. That was an old contrivance, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately escape does imply you're locked in. Now it's kind of the, the, the backwards retronym of, oh, well, you're escaping reality. You're having an adventure. You know, I wish the term didn't stick. I think it's not an adventure game or, you know, there are other terms that are better. But um, escape room is kind of stuck. And so we're, we're we have to live with it. It's stuck. And I, I mean... I think while other words like the adventure room or, or game or whatever you propose there, like maybe more, I guess you could say truthful. I think from a marketing standpoint, escape room is just snappier. Yeah, and it works. And, you know, in Russia, they call them quest rooms, um, you know, in because. Yeah, Quest Room is great. Uh, in, in, in Canada and Mexico, they call them um, escape games. 
So the game, the word game is, is, is in there. So yeah, for me, it's like, I know it's a game. And, and the biggest thing for me is like, what is the goal? Like if I'm building for myself versus for a client, for me, it's like, what is the goal? And that's really the the DNA that you have to have at the core, like the grain of sand and a pearl. Like, what is the thing you're building around? But it's really about what are you building towards and what is the toolkit that you have? The toolkit being you're painting a painting and you have a bunch of colors. Puzzles are one color. You know, people think escape rooms are all just about puzzles. And yes, puzzles are a component, but they don't have to be the only thing that's driving you. You also want to have a narrative or a thing guiding you towards, uh, you know, progression. And, and you want to have a sense of discovery. So space is a huge part of this stuff, where what are the cool discoveries you're making? What are the hidden rooms or the way that you're changing or affecting the space? What are the cool discoveries and physical things you're doing? What are the mental challenges you're overcoming? And what are the you know exciting interactions you're doing with your group? And so those are all considerations to me. It's basically the space I have. When does the time frame come into consideration? Ooh, do you mean time frame is how long you have or... Um, to me, a uh, 60, uh, sorry, I was going to say, um, to me, that's something that now I'm thinking I'm outside looking in, but if I'm doing an escape room, I am, I'm, I'm doing the, uh, a business based on that. I think I would go to someone like you and be like, Hey, look, I got escape rooms. Okay. It's on the boardwalk in Wildwood, New Jersey, for example, where there are a couple, I believe, but, um, I'm adding one in there and we're thinking of. 45 minute and 60 minute rooms. Is that something that's usually defined up front? Because that's how I would do it. It depends. I think, you know, I've seen people do both sides. I think 60 minutes is kind of a standard, but there are all sorts of games. You know, there are games that some are even 15 minutes or half hour. Some are longer. In Greece, it's common for most games to run two to three hours. If I would have done that, I would have completed my rooms. Now I'm going to Greece. And, and the one I have out here uh, called Stash House, my game is 90 minutes. And that was built around we have a space that we want to use all of. And when we were testing, you know, we were very open to whatever length necessitated the overwhelming majority of people getting the chance to succeed. For me, it's not about, you know, I don't, I don't failure and, and measuring statistics about success to me is a little bit beyond the point. I want people to have a complete experience and, and have a joyful one. And that to me includes succeeding. So they don't have that ripped off feeling, right? Like, oh, that was, that, that was 150 bucks for all of us. That really was a way I, I could have used that in something else. I mean, right. It's like turning off a movie, you know, in a theater, two thirds of the way through and say, well, come back again if you want to see the ending. I don't like that, you know? And so to me, I want to give you a complete experience. Yeah, I do want you to have some kind of challenge or, or, you know, you don't want to just give someone a key and go, there's the exit, have fun. Um, you want there to be a challenge to overcome and a, a group to, you know, succeed together as, as a group of human beings and connect and feel smart and succeed in a story. And, and most will give you hints, too, to help you proceed if you get really stuck. Yeah, they should. Uh, you know, in my mind, there are still a lot of old style things that people copy because they've seen other businesses do it and they don't get why or think, why are we doing this? Hints, you know, and difficulty are really some way to drive an artificial scarcity of the difficulty. And, you know... It, Hints to me should be unlimited and free and and be easy that should people want to succeed, they can. 
There should be no question over, yeah, if someone's refusing to do anything and sitting in the middle of the floor, yeah, okay, don't let them succeed. But if someone really does want to get to the end, let them get to the end. Like, let them succeed. Let them have a full experience. I don't want people coming back to my game. I want them to go experience others and be part of a larger ecosystem where they discover the joy and excitement of this space. So to me, anything you can build that facilitates a whole, complete, joyful, exciting experience, you know, is what you aim for. But going back to the question about time, you know, there are a lot of metrics that show, you know, is it like chicken or egg? If you say, I need to build a 45-minute game, the way I would approach that is very different than saying, I want to build the best possible game. Here's the story in the space. And here's some ideas. And I'm working on a game now for a client where this game is probably going to be closer to two hours. And they they want the game to be an hour. And so I'm like, look, this is going to be a very long game. It's 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 horror, which means that whenever anything is scary, easy things become a lot harder. So you have to really simplify because people, when they're scared, tend to not think or focus. They tend to always look over their shoulders. So you have to really scale down the difficulty. So horror and difficulty don't really align. And this is going to be a very challenging, scary game. And so I keep calling out, you know, this is going to be hard. And, you know, at a certain point, the only way he's going to see that is when we have a test and it takes four hours for a group to do it. And that's where you make edits. Like typically it's like a, it's like a run through. So when you test it, they're going all the way through, right? Regardless, like how long does it take you to to complete this? Yeah. And usually for testing, I recommend doing a number of them where like, okay, let's test an individual puzzle. Does it work before you even build it? And then once you build it, okay, let's, let's keep testing it. So you understand, cause you know, I can build something and I put it in front of you and you're going to look at it and go, and make connections that I didn't even realize. And that's why it's important to test. But the biggest thing is you want to keep testing because if I test everything individually and go, cool, these all work, these are great. And then I put them in a theme space, they may not work as a progression. They may have elements that, you know, if I have four puzzles or four narrative beats that all involve screaming or all involve certain colors, you're going to confuse them. And it's like, oh, how do we differentiate so people know these are all separate things? And that's where the testing comes into play. But typically, yeah, by the time you're even ready to test a full progression, it will probably take you, you know, at a group two to three times the time you intend. And that's where you find all the rough, you know, the rough spots. And it's kind of like in theater, a really bad final dress rehearsal means it's probably going to be a good show. It's that same ethos, a really long test where you're like, oh, God, what have we done? We've made a huge mistake is then where you get to have fun in smoothing things out and making it better. But it's kind of that trial by fire, the ritual of knowing, oh, God, a really bad test. You know, I've been there. And then, you know, you're able to get pick it out the stuff that you got to change, refine it. And then, yeah, but that's, you know, it, it, I like it. Sometimes things look good on paper but they're not good in real life, like actually doing them. How, how much is that true for you? I think, you know, again, it's, it's experience about knowing that you're not going from paper to finished product. There is a lot of steps in between. And, you know, e- the ego of being that I could design the best, most amazing stuff from scratch, that's not true. You have to be good at editing. Just like any good writer is not a good writer. They're good editors. You know, the first thing you, you, you write is, is probably going to be bad. First drafts of everything are typically really bad. It's what you do with that first draft. So to me, writing and adding like outlining designs is then, okay, what do you do with it? Because if I write out, they go in a room and solve this thing and I describe it, there are still so many considerations about how to build that and how it conveys the narrative and how it conveys and aligns with the theme of, you know, the, the overarching story in space that you have to really be aware of how all that stuff is being done and built. 
Um, and that's where when it, I like it again, you're carving out a channel and there's no water. You're basically carving out a river. And and finally, with with audio, you know, when you get a test group through, you pour water for the first time and you're like, I hope it goes where I want it to go. But you will discover all the spots where it's going to divert. And you're like, well, it's going over there. And sometimes and this is where testing is really fun. You discover a lot of really amazing stuff where you know, people are doing something and what they're doing is like, well, that's not what they're supposed to do, but it makes total sense why they're doing that. And you can actually go back and like, let's, okay, okay, cool. People are doing that. Let's lean into that. Let's make this the thing they do. And that's what, you know, so you're seeing people are the water and you're seeing the channels you've built might be going a different direction. And sometimes you have to work really hard to be like, no, we've got to close off that channel and gap and make them go over here. Or you can, you know, if you're flexible and have the ability, lean towards what people are doing because they're telling they're giving you indication that you've by accident or on purpose built a thing telling them to do something you know and they're picking up the clues whether you meant to give those clues or not you know how much of the actual like uh do you do any of the prop work the design work on that or do you just come up with the general idea on paper like where does your work stop on this type of project early on i did everything my business partner and i when we got into stash house and and built that that was our first experience um we did everything ourselves we and then we anything we couldn't do we hired for but you know oftentimes we would get to a point where we'd realize uh we don't know what we're doing and we're going to save time and money if we just hire someone that does know what they're doing so we ended up hiring you know a couple of carpenters uh who were able to do much more reliable and more attractive looking builds than what we could do. Um, but Don, you know, learned how to do the wiring and electronics for it. I learned how to do a lot of the installation for some of the electronic components. And, you know, you learn, I think to me, it's like, but that also, that experience also helps you because then as you're doing puzzles in the future, you understand a little bit more about that stuff then too. So that way you can build out better results i guess yeah no 100 learning that from some basic foundation does give you the ability to know sort of what's possible so in your design you're not going to come up with something that's inherently impossible i also did a lot of the fabrication of some of our effects so playing around with different resins different uv inks different sort of uh thermochromatic inks that change color based on temperature like i got pigments i did tons of experiments I did a lot of painting, I did a lot of polishing, I did a lot of molding. So it was really fun because, you know, I got to get my hands dirty very literally. I often glued them together. You know, I had so many moments of just getting into the weeds with this where, you know, now I would hire someone, but now I know, I but I, having that foundation is so valuable. But you already know, you have the experience. And someone could do it much faster than I could. But I think there is an element of, in the moment, you know, I was stressed and not going, oh God, is this going to work? You know, looking back, though, I loved the, the you know, the time we were building because it was a time of experimentation and having fun and going, I hope this works. And when it started to work, that was just really, really invigorating. Yeah, no, that that sounds amazing. So you did go through, even though it's kind of a branch of your existing, you know, your existing career that you had you have gone through a full career transformation, um, you know, and this show focuses a lot on career transformation. How long ago was that? Yeah, that was, you know, I first I started doing escape rooms and seeing the space and just being inspired by them like 2014, 2015 was that sort of time. And, you know, I was still at Disney 
And so I was, you know, working with my writing partner, Don, who became my business partner, because we were writing scripts together and just got so fed up with everything that when I started reaching out to escape rooms and, and other sort of people that were producing them and asking like, hey, I'd love to be in part of this. And when the guy took me seriously, he's like, hey, would you want to help run my LA locations and build stuff for me? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So I reached out to Don, my writing partner and said, hey, would you want to do this with me? You know, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so that was sort of, we were, we were dipping our toe, but then what really changed things was Don got laid off. And then a few months later, I was fired from Disney. So we were both out of our day jobs. And that was a big, like, a big moment of reckoning because you're staring at this thing that you're doing. You know, we already had a lease. We were in the process of building, but we had no idea how long it would take. You know, we were putting our own money into this thing. Um, and that was really scary, but also a moment of, of reckoning because it's like, do I want to go back to a desk job? Do I want to go back to the sort of the paychecks I had, you know, which was nice, but also soul crushing. And do, you know, do I have the ability to make this other thing work? What is this other thing? Building games and, and experiences. Fear grabs onto you, but you can't operate out of fear. And I think you found the inner strength to be like, yes, I can make this work. The biggest thing that did push me was, you know, I had been working at Disney for eight years and I was really unhappy and I getting fired was a big shock to the system. So I avoided, I live nearby. And so I avoided driving near it. It's sort of like driving by an ex's house. Like I avoided the area and, you know, about a month or so I finally was like, yeah, whatever, I'll drive by. Who cares? Like I drove by and I had spent eight years of this place and I knew every inch of the studio lot. I knew every inch of the neighborhood around it. And I drove by and I felt nothing. And it felt weird because I'm like, I spent so long at this place. And I, I actually stared at it as I drove by. And it felt like I had been there only a few months. And that was outright terrifying to me because I'm like, eight years condensed into nothing. You know, and I was like, I, I gave them almost a decade of my life. I can't do that again. So that really was a calling for me being like, I didn't come out to LA to be unhappy or to sit there complacent. So I'm like, I'm going to do something that scares me and I'm going to face that and I'm going to try to make it work. And if it doesn't work, I'll figure something else out. But this is the chance to really try something crazy. Now you take your fear out on other people in your escape rooms <laughs> it's more than just fear that to me it's like you want to give people a chance to overcome something and have that adventure like you know we're we're just a bunch of hairless apes living in very advanced society you know we we, we still in our dna are tribal creatures that want to live together and accomplish goals and overcome challenges the idea of like felling a mammoth for your tribe and bringing it back and you celebrating and eating as a tribe we don't have that collective struggle as human beings anymore we have you know, office tasks and we just lost the full vegan audience. They're out of here. There we go. I'm I'm vegetarian, but I'm vegetarian. But 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 the, the point is the idea of, of a thing that survives for your tribe. You know, we don't have that. We don't have mammothons anymore. And so these small little immersive experiences give you the chance to be a hero and with your people, with your family, with someone, go and have a mission. And then by the end, you're buzzing and have adrenaline. You know, I, I joke sometimes that we're dealing drugs and yeah, you're dealing adrenaline and dopamine. You know, people walk out feeling that high and then just that ability to give families or, you know, especially families with kids, an adventure where they can go out and like hang out together and talk about their experience. You don't get to do that very often. So I think being a purveyor of that is really exciting. So on a scale from what, guys, I'm a big horror fan. I, I love the scary rooms. I mean, even alien abduction. I mean, they kind of 
I don't know if you would classify those as horror, but they're kind of, uh, you know, a little bit scarier because, you know, they're non-human. You know, they can have a factor of fear in them more than like a pirate treasure hunt, which I've done as well, too, and failed. Um, but on a level from one to ten, how scary do you aim? Do you ever have someone that's like, hey, I need you to design something that is going to be a level ten scare level you know do you ever get someone that intense i've never done anything that intense i there are i mean for me horror as an audience member i struggle with horror uh famously my my friend group loves to do scary stuff and i will sometimes tap out of things uh i know my limits and i what i enjoy but there is something about finding that right balance where I, I love and hate it at the same time. Yeah. And that's the thing is like people love being scared. And I think that's a primal thing. There are also a lot of people that don't love it. So for me, it's like, is there a direction or reason why people want to go scary? And if so, what's the, you know, what's the goal of it? If the goal is to create an experience that people are able to face their fears and then overcome them, all about it. Let's find ways to make that work. If it's more about I want to torture people, I won't, I, I typically won't be involved in those projects. You know, it's it's always finding that balance of what horror is meant to be. It's usually a lens up to our darker nature. It's a lens up to a challenge to give people the chance to face something and overcome it. And then also it's part of a story. If it's just being if it's just being gratuitous for no reason, um, I tend to shy away from that. I don't like just being gory or gross for no reason. To me, it has to accomplish a goal or a narrative that you can overcome. And so, you know, it's trying to elevate it because there's, you know, cheesy, bad slasher flicks or there's elevated horror. And I try to find my way in between the two. Now, I don't know if this exists or not, but this is something I would absolutely pay for. And uh, I might even be willing to travel for this. I don't know if it exists. I haven't Googled it, but it just occurred to me. One thing I would love in an escape room is a longer experience, like maybe that two hour one that you were speaking about, something like that that's horror based i'm sure have you been to universal studios uh sometimes in the last six seven years okay uh remember when they had the walking dead through there uh where it, you just walk through it but it's almost like a live action show you have the military people shooting blanks at zombies zombies like jumping out and it it looked at least back then somewhat realistic is there a combo of something like that okay in an escape room because to me that would be like the ultimate horror mix i would love that not necessarily the walking dead but that type of theatrics you know in the for an escape room the answer is yeah like in europe especially they're doing crazy crazy stuff greece and the netherlands and spain are all developing and doing really intense like two or three hour horror games with insane sets, a lot of actors and sort of that theatrical. So there is theatrical stuff. Very much so. It's harder in the US. US market is expensive. It has a lot of regulation depending on what city you're in. And so safety concerns and a lot of those issues and also labor cost. Anytime you have an actor, the cost of your game and tickets go up. So the, the math really is tricky to make work in the US. They do exist. Something Universal Studios doesn't have to really worry about because they know there's always a line waiting people to walk through. Exactly, but as soon as you have a mom and pop shop doing something really intense, it's really, it's kind of tricky. But yeah, in Europe in particular, they're doing some crazy stuff that just will melt your brain. So if you ever get a chance to go to the Netherlands, to Spain or Greece, can recommend some stuff that would just, you know, make you really happy with what you're looking for. My idea wasn't that crazy. It does exist. Now, now, okay, let's put the regulation, uh, let's put labor cost, okay, aside, okay? 
how if they were in the U.S., would they be successful in our market? But those things aside, I mean, would people like those here? Are they better experiences? What's your opinion on that? I mean, anything, you know, that has more immersive standards, absolutely people are going to love. People want to go to a special place. That's why people go to Disneyland. It's because they have an immaculately themed world that's big. Anything that you can do to make the scale big and have actors or make, let's forget even horror. Let's just say you're making experience in science fiction or adventure or whatever. You build something that has a more elaborate theming with advanced lighting and sound and gives people more agency over how they engage. People are going to love it. Of course they will. But the run, the thing you run into is throughput, which is the magic. You know, it's why Disney and Universal have these giant groups of people go through because they're able to justify the cost with lots of tickets. If you have an experience with intimacy, which is you have five people going through a giant space, that ticket is either going to cost you $500 a person. Yeah. And that's the tricky part is, is finding that balance. Because on one end, you know, obviously I love entertaining people. Other end, I also, it's not a charity. You want to make a business that is sustainable. Yeah, that is you, sustainable. Need make, you need to make money. I mean, if not, you can't pay the bills, you know, so. It's eternal struggle because obviously you want to build something really cool, but yeah, you have to find that balance. And in Europe, they've been able to make it work. And I someday LA or the US, I hope stuff like that can make sense mathematically because I want it both as a customer, but also for people like you to be able to go check it out and be inspired have that experience you know the weirdest stuff inspires me so uh it would it, it would be inspirational to me in a weird level but anyways tommy i mean you've been amazing i'm sure if there's anybody out there looking and thinking of an escape room i'm almost guaranteed they're going to reach out to you because you've showed your creative knowledge your experience all that stuff you've killed it my friend please do me a favor Tell everybody out there listening, because you do more than just escape rooms, okay? Tell them everything that you do real quick, and then how they can get in contact with you. So I build and design escape rooms, uh, immersive interactive experiences. I do consulting on anything creative, theme park, or video. Give an example of the immersive interactive experiences so that people... Uh got that clarified yeah so i've designed uh, uh, experiences for disney that are very much like actor driven theme park rides i've worked on activations where you get to go through movies so i designed a thing for the movie black phone for example the the horror movie where people got to go through or the movie uncharted where they got to go through and feel like they were part of that world so it wasn't necessarily puzzles but it was more of just going through scenes with actors going through like you're in the world so it's it's you know anything that puts you into a, a world other than our own okay that's awesome and what else do you do sorry i, I kind in there so that you could video games all the above anything that's fun and entertaining i like to say i do or focus on so it's 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 a wide palette but i i, I branch it into its narrative base with so storytelling that you can play or engage with so i basically make stories you can play that's awesome and how can people reach out to you uh well, my website uh, i don't do social media so tommyhaunton.com is the one way to do it uh, link uh, if you can post and that's haunton h-o-n-t-o-n and uh everybody Everybody out there, you know this by now, uh, the link for Tommy Hunton will be down below in the description. You've heard the man himself. He has totally rocked. He knows his stuff. Please reach out to him and he'll help, he'll help make your fantasies, uh, no matter how scary they are, come true. 
Thank you so much for your time, Tommy. And I can also say, if reach out to me, and I can also recommend anything. If you're in any market, I'm happy to recommend great stuff to do because I I love people finding cool stuff. And whatever I can do to facilitate finding great stuff and just learning, become even a fan of this industry, uh, it's not all horror, family-friendly, fantasy, whatever genre you want, I can point you in the right direction. Yeah, it's my fault we focused on horror. I'm sorry, sorry. But he does more than just horror. We'll make sure that's clear. But, I just uh, want to make hey, sure Tommy, people that are scared of stuff like me are not going to be turned off. So right, <laughs> it's, right, there's stuff right. for everyone, you know? I mean, we've had gore on the show, so I think we're good. I, we're, we're, we're good. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, thank you so much, my man. This was amazing and very grateful to have you on here. Again, link will be down below in the description. Thanks, Tommy. Best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much. Yep, cheers. That was an incredible chat with Tommy, right? Wasn't it? I mean, that was pretty chill. I loved it. First, though, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, please do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, you know, engage in the channel, ask your questions, leave your comments. I'd love, instead of emailing me, Put them on YouTube. Put them on Spotify. I'd love to hear that stuff publicly instead of getting all this stuff privately because I got to admit, I'm a little overwhelmed with how many emails I receive for the podcast. That being said, you know, Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business. Please share us out to your friends, your family, your colleagues, anywhere you dwell on the interwebs, whatever social media sites you use, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, I guess it's called X now, right? Uh, wherever you go, share us out. I'd love nothing more to see Tommy Hodden and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now let's get back to the real rock star of this show, Mr. Tommy Hodden. I love this as escape rooms are a mash of creativity. Like it really brings in a multitude of different skills to be able to build an escape room that people can solve have fun while solving, getting those adrenaline rushes to be able to sell a storyline to the players that are playing the game that they can believe in. Tommy has an incredible talent that has proven it time and time again. So, Tommy, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your expertise, and really just given joy to the world by helping people escape reality into one of your escape rooms and having a blast. Please check them out. The link is going to be down below in the description. Question of the day. What do you think of escape rooms? Leave a comment down below on YouTube or Spotify. Do you want to be in the show? We are scheduling season seven and season eight episodes right now. Interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, Join the channel or Spotify even. It's $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. Every dollar we spend, we put back out in ads, in technology, in all that good stuff. I don't need to make money off the show. I do it because every interview I do is a masterclass with an expert in their field. And I'm sharing this journey with you. Lastly, but not least, another shout out to our fabulous sponsor and SAP Global Platinum Partner, Sador, okay? I'm telling you, if you're on QuickBooks, if you're on Maz90 or some other antiquated solution, or maybe don't even have a solution and doing things with Access and Excel files, hit us up, okay? Sador.com or reach out to me personally, and I'll make sure you get the best deal possible because... 
we have from mom and pop to large enterprise solutions that can fit any needs possible. Last but not least, you all know this by now, but I'll say it once again. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. You just experienced Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Please like, comment, and subscribe to the show to help us spread the word about personal, professional, and business growth. Want to be on the show? Send an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. A special shout out to our sponsor, SAP Platinum Partner, Sador. Get off QuickBooks and move your business to the next level. Reach out for more info. Thanks for listening and see you next time.